mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Hello and welcome to the Born Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how you doing? I'm good, man. Sun shining here. I'm looking at a church. The kettle's on the boil. Um, everything's very British. <laughs> I feel, it's quintessential. I feel quint- yeah, British I feel quintessentially thing. English. It, it, it's, it's, it's something else. Uh, I've just made a scone for breakfast. Uh, and I'm having a cup of, uh, I'm not having a cup of tea, but the, but the kettle is on the boil. The kettle's on the roll. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I am staring at a cocktail I've just created. It's part vodka, part mango juice, oh. part lemon juice. Wow. And part Jeez. something else. I can't remember what else I put in it, but it tastes, yeah. it's all right. It's quite acidic. It's actually burning my insides, <laughs> but it may be, it could be a good substitute for coffee, given that you, Always complain that I drink too much coffee in these uh, in these shows. So I thought I'd substitute yeah, it with someone I mean, something else. I will not be held responsible or held liable for you turning into a raging Tuesday alcoholic. <laughs> it's not right <laughs> to be slamming. Mind you, it, it, what time is it where you are? About five o'clock, six o'clock. It's five o'clock. That's fine. It's five o'clock. It's five o'clock somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. So uh... perfect time for a mango <laughs> exactly. vodka cocktail, whatever that's called. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually got a name. I'll call it the Natsuki. Um, it sounds like a. Um, it sounds like a, a one you'd get in like the late nineties, early noughties. You used to have stuff like Reef or um, uh, uh, like a vodka Mets or a. Um, I'm trying to think now, like. A, um, like, a, like they did a lot of different vodka flavors. Because you remember the vodka revolution opened back then. It was like a a revol. It was called a um. It was like a Russian kind of communist theme bar uh, around the whole of uh, England and, and and I think Scotland as well. Um, they, they may have been in other places as well. There's certainly still one in Wales, I believe, in Cardiff. Um, and they would have a hundred different vodka flavored vodkas, and so you'd have a hundred different flavored vodkas. Oh, wow. But but within about three weeks, they'd run out of the, like the delicious ones, and you were left with the chili flavors and the silly flavors, the licorice flavors that nobody wanted to drink. Ugh, that's that's not good. I mean, now we've got the um, the gin revolution, right? Whenever I return to the UK, it's just gin everywhere. Um, just more gin, and yeah. That hasn't come to Japan. So if you want a gin Japan, it's only like Bombay Sapphire, and that's the only one to go with. I don't know if gin, the yeah. gin craze is, is just the UK, to be honest, or if it's made its way over to North America. Um, if you're a North American listener listening in, let us know. Mm. Do you drink if, gin? If, Do you, you like gin? You, I think <laughs> Ryan Reynolds man has with... his own gin at the moment as well. We bought his he has, one. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has. He's um, one of the few. I think it's like, it always strikes me as being a little bit too artisanal a little bit it's men mm. dressed like members of mumford and sons um you know the the old uh the old uh you know um waistcoats and um and yeah, braces yeah. and stuff like that um you know going going like making this artisanal gin that uh is frequently undrinkable 
I, I, I don't know what happened, but um, the you know people used to brew booze at home. It used to be occasionally illegal, and it used to be just your dad with like a homebrew kit. Nowadays, everyone's at it. My mate Rin. He's uh, he's never seen. If you went into his, mm. in, in, into his bag, if you saw him in the street at any point during the day or the night, um, and went in his bag, you'd find some hops. You'd find some kind of way of brewing beer. That's just the way it is. He's always got hops on him. He's always got the capacity to brew beer. I just can't figure it out. It's, I don't know what's going on with the youth, and it, it's mainly the male youth. Let's make this very clear. We've I got better things to now. do. Feel left out. <laughs> I think hops. Going back to Ryan Reynolds, uh, I think Hugh Jackman's got his own alcoholic brand. I mean, a lot of celebrities have been diving into the alcohol game at the moment because uh, with so much variety of spirits, right, it's quite hard to market them to stand out. So they get a partnership, they have a celebrity buy a stake in the company, and then you've got like a strong marketing kind of ploy there. You've got a kind of strong relationship there to market it. So yeah. I feel like I should be getting a piece of the action. I brought in Japan suck here, brought in Japan mango vodka range. What do you reckon? Could it work? Yeah, bro. I mean, broad. It has to be quintessentially Japanese, though. So I'm thinking right. uh, Chris Broad pre-mixed um, red eye, like a Clamato <laughs> kind of situation. Because <laughs> it's dare. red, like the Broad and Japan logo. It look, it works. It's red, like the Broad and Japan logo. People will love it. Um, I'm sure some small run kind of brewer will be listening who will be able to make a, a lager, pilsner, uh, tomato juice mix. I'd, I'd, I'd buy that with a little bit of spice in there. I'd, I'd be would. bang up for doing an advert for that. I'd, I might even switch allegiances, allegiances from uh, Coolish, who have just released yet another seasonal variation oh. to their bloody product oh, line, God. and they are very much not receptive to any of my emails or tweets. <laughs> Still, what's the new Coolish flavour? Oh, I don't know. It's pink. pink. <laughs> it's just pink, pink flavour. Somebody, somebody sent me on Twitter yesterday. I'll have to have a look. It's pink. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, yeah. if you're listening, ladies and gentlemen, give us some ideas. What should we do for the uh, Born Japan sake mm. range? Out this Christmas, fun for all the family. Uh, we'll have the Natsuki flavour, the Risotto flavour, the Peat flavour. Each flavour chosen and selected by each and every member of the Born Japan cast. Uh, it's been a busy mm. week for me, though. Alcohol yeah. aside... Um, I had a video come out about why I hate Japanese television. I think it was called uh, why, I d- why I Don't Watch Japanese Television. Hate's a strong mm. word, and I don't want to polarise too much opinion. Um, but did you see, I'm pretty proud of this, the opening 40 seconds, it's the, <laughs> the only bit of the video that's good, that's nah, right, is me just basically used the diorama and blue-screened my way in to make it look like mm. I'm there. Did you feel I'd pulled it off, Pete? Have you even watched it? Hey. Are you my hey, friend? Look, <laughs> look, I cannot get enough of uh, miniaturized uh, representations of uh, buildings. Uh, something that's very popular in Japan. If you've got a Tokyo hand, you'll buy like, little kind of kits of like little houses and little shops and little stores and stuff like that. It's, it's wonderful. And I love what you've built and i love there's a working television uh, but more importantly i love that you've managed to green screen yourself into a scene i've tried to green screen myself quite a lot i'm no professional myself um i barely have access to green screens but on the rare occasion i do um it's actually quite exciting but i always get the lighting wrong the shadows are always in the way that my my, my key lighting in after effects is always really rudimentary and it looks terrible um so you've done a lovely job um if you do look a bit big for the house what? you're not that big chris i'm afraid i think you've over overestimated how large you are <laughs> it's it's tricky it's tricky because i'm not sure the proportions yeah. in the miniature house are all to scale so like the table's a bit too big 
and yeah. whatnot. But uh, I was happy with it. And I've yeah. got the crisps as well on the table, which makes it believable. I sent it to um, a few friends to test it first to see what they thought. And a few of them came back saying they didn't realize it was miniature. They thought I was on some sort of weird, trippy They're Like a set. set. Yeah. So I was quite happy with that <laughs> until I get flicked yeah. off screen. That should be that. That should be your. Um, that should be your next kind of um, task to get on Japanese dramatic television, uh, like like an old kind of Edo era kind of um, like samurai. Is it, would Edo be when's Edo? I can't remember. Um, but like a samurai yeah, Edo, sort of drama that you see. Edo's sixteen hundreds to the mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah, like so you know because they they seem to be the only kind of um, dramatic. It's either that or like a police procedure procedural that the Japanese seem to really like. Um, so if you could get onto any of those sets and get a cameo on any of those shows, um, that's very much what I would like to see. <laughs> I'm not sure I share your vision. Actually, where I used to live in um, in Yamagata, there was a samurai town that they used as a like a set location for various films and tv i always thought oh, nice. it was very rubbish though it didn't look that good though it looked like not much effort gone into it um hopefully they're not listening because i don't want to slag off their wonderful samurai village That'd don't have to no they just they just blue screen everything <laughs> out don't they? They, they they blue screen just the end like there was some there's some beautiful shots of um the film uh what's it called uh, that uh, Korean film that came out earlier this year and won an Oscar. Parasite. Um, oh, Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the, the, somebody showed like the visual effects. And like, the, I'm always sort of surprised about like how minimalist the visual effects can be where they'll just like the, 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 the I think there's a shot where the boy's coming up through the um, undergrowth towards the house that where everything kind of happens. And they've just mm. sort of blue screened out the top of the house to make the house look bigger so they could add like another level mm. of the house on top because the house isn't as tall as it is. And it's just like, I mean, you could have just built the bit of, I mean, it's just a bit of wood, isn't it? Just built it's the just top a bit of, of the wood, house it? on it. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. I just, like the most, like the most, um, uh, like kind of really boilerplate, like kind of um easy shots. You'd think is really really easy. They're, they're always blue screening mm. and kind of like doing little visual effects, little tweaks. Um, so what you're seeing is is always you know either filmed on a soundstage or filmed in a street where there's only like three or four people and they just add people in in the background. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. It's all well. It's all about control as a director. You know, you want complete mm. control of the set and the background, and yeah. you can do things afterwards with it. Like I was watching the. Um, behind the scenes for the Joker movie and like parts of the skyline have been blue screened in in the background in between buildings to make the city look more oppressive and kind of right. over like tower over the character, over the Joker. So yeah, it's more about creative direction than anything. Um, mm. I haven't seen Japanese TV shows or movies employ that many visual effects. Seems to be really bad at it. Japanese films don't seem to have the budget for special effects and they always look a bit rubbish apart from Shin Godzilla, yeah. which actually wasn't too bad but um mm. yeah i'd say the only thing about my video last week because i did speak ill of japanese tv in general and many shows probably blown my chances of going back on yeah that's it it's you've nice. absolutely you've absolutely muffed it to be honest though, though you may get a sponsorship for that horrible powdered egg um crisp you were, you were eating last week on, on on the podcast well I mean, even the powdered egg product, the powdered egg, was it it's salted egg flavoured potatoes? Salted egg, chips, yeah. Crisps. Um, and they were in the start of the video as well on the table. I didn't do them a flattering review either because they just taste no. awful. It tastes like someone's <laughs> opened a bag of sugar and tipped it over some crisps instead of <laughs> actually flavouring them. 
Absolutely awful. rank looking. <laughs> there you go. I don't mind. I'm not. I don't want to go back on Japanese TV anyway. It's not what people would have you believe. And if you haven't seen it yet, ladies and gentlemen, do check it out on mm. the Born Japan channel. I'm quite proud of that one. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, do it. On to the news, though. It's been a weird week for news. Um, mm. I've heard of this. Is, this is a topic close to your heart, Pete. I know how much you love monkeys. This week, yeah, uh, seventy. Monkeys, 70 Japanese macaque monkeys escaped from a zoo in Chiba. Uh, yes. Basically, a construction worker spotted a hole in a fence that looked man-made. It looked like somebody had cut their way in. And uh, it was only 38 centimetres high, 30 centimetres wide. But through that little hole, 70 monkeys have escaped into the local area. Uh, luckily, they haven't record- <laughs> there's no been, been no reports of damage caused by the monkeys yet. But they're out there, Pete. They're waiting, waiting for you oh, to come and wonderful. catch them all. I th- oh, journey. that's Pokemon-esque, isn't it? I said, got to catch the monkeys. <laughs> it's like a video game. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, I like to think they've just gone straight to Narita Airport and just, you know, boarded a plane, <laughs> boarded a cargo plane. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a special bond with monkeys, don't you? You worked with monkeys in a zoo in London, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I, was, I think I've said before, I was uh, there to make a CD-ROM. Uh, I didn't make the CD-ROM, just spent a lot of time looking at monkeys and bonobos, and gib- mainly gibbons. I'm a big gibbon fan. Um, show me a monkey. I'm like Drake going, eh, I'm not interested, but show me a gibbon. I'm like, yeah, I'm Drake going, yes, I like gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the word gibbon always triggers me. It's something about the word gibbon. Find well, no, funny. it's just no one talks about them. Like the, the gibbons were like in, in certainly in the UK, I think were, no, they were, they, they kind of treated as kind of like a comedic animal and they are a comedic animal. animal. I, just, I just don't think they, they're, they're an ape, right? You know, they're one of the apes, but nobody studies them because they're not as interesting as gorillas or chimps or bonobos um uh and and and, and orangutans and stuff so yeah it's it's really upsetting that gibbons aren't given the the respect just because they're lesser apes they're not lesser apes oh, in my heart they're wonderful and sometimes well, they walk back you are a monkey, really funny a monkey expert what would you do how would you get the uh for for the authorities in chiba who are definitely listening in to this podcast looking for some important key advice what would you say to get those monkeys back to return the 70 macaque monkeys to the zoo in Chiba. Well, look, there's, there's no monkey, there's no monkey sanctuary or zoo in the world that hasn't um, lost a monkey in, in its time. Um, it happens all of the time. You, you, you think these sort of animals like just, just, you know, stay where they're supposed to be in their paddocks or whatever. As soon as they get, they see a, a, a glimmer of light, they're out. Um, Certainly in Twycross, where I used to work in uh, sort of Coventry, sort of Warwickshire, uh, where mm. um, they um, the chimpanzees would occasionally escape, and th- they wouldn't really do much apart from jump on top of their own cage and just sort of laugh at the keepers, sort of going "Ha ha, I've escaped!" Uh, but I still very much would like to be fed, so <laughs> it's very much food based. If you can, if you can feed those monkeys, uh, yeah, all, all the better. Um, so yeah, just just be set up. They'll be back. They know where they live. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the thing about it, I think people have got sort of weird relationships with zoos. And obviously at some zoos, well, a lot of zoos are, uh, aren't great. The, you know, the, the finances aren't there uh, and the will isn't mm. there to keep the animals in the, in the way that they're supposed to. But fundamentally, uh, animals only move, uh, move uh, homes uh, due to um, exhausting food sources or predators. So I'm not completely anti-zoo because I know a lot of zoos do some incredible conservation work. But um, there's still obviously a kind of performative element to it, which I think zoos would be well uh, served to to remove from their uh, thing because obviously people are a little bit more conscious about that. But 
some governments can't hold, uh, can't be trusted in many ways to keep their animals alive because they just log the fuck out of the Amazon, for example. They, you know, they log the fuck out of, the, out of um, where the, where these animals live. So I, I am, I am kind of like caught between zoos do some good work and also zoos are bad. Um, so uh, what was the question again? <laughs> do I like zoos? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, the, the animals only move on because they're exhausted their, 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 uh, their food or predators. Um, obviously in zoos, you're not going to get that. So they'll be back. Mm. Uh, just set up some food, uh, on the roof of your, on the roof of the paddock and, and, and they'll be back, no doubt. <laughs> we'll go into this. I mean, Japanese zoos have had a problem in the past because, uh, obviously typhoons and things, have right. last year in 2019 a typhoon actually caused an entire closure to collapse which put 100 monkeys out in the wild they escaped that time um but uh, no i mean japanese zoos and places often get criticized because their policy on animal rights isn't quite as good as no. <laughs> outside of japan certainly uh in the west yeah. so yeah a little bit shady a little yeah bit dodgy if you, if you walk as- if you walk, walk past any pet shop you uh you get your answer as to uh yeah <laughs> they it may think they're kawaii but they are <laughs> rather badly treated or, or certainly um they don't necessarily give them as much space as they should mind you uh the humans don't have a lot of space in downtown um cities <laughs> anyway so <laughs> very true very true um but completely unrelated to that, in re- recent times we've been talking about Mount Fuji a lot. Obviously, uh, Mount Fuji's closed this year because of mm. the virus. They don't want people climbing Mount Fuji in summer during the climbing hiking period because it does get quite crowded on the summit of Mount Fuji. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, how it's unfortunately shut because I was going to climb it. Even though you are a skeptic, Pete, I was going to climb it. Don't care what you're saying. Um, so... Don't buy it. This... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. Um, but no, unfortunately, a few back in October last year, we also mentioned a chap called Ted Sushiohara, who was streaming his ascent of Mount Fuji outside the climbing season, which finishes in September, early September. Uh, by October, it's already too cold, too snowy, too dangerous to climb the mountain. Um, but he climbed it, and he had a live stream on Nikko Nikko, which is a Japanese video streaming website that uh, is quite popular these days, and. Um, in the video, you can see him saying, oh, this is dangerous. This is scary. I'm I'm ill-equipped. I don't know why I've come up here. This is ridiculous. Oh, I'm slipping. I'm slipping and I'm gone. I'm, and that's it. And he disappears. And he fell off the mountain, rolled down it, and his body was found a few days later, tragically uh, losing his life on a live stream in front of loads of viewers. And it's quite unpleasant. Oh, I, I watched it myself. I didn't realize how much the video uh, showed of the incident Mm. so i've seen that and it wasn't that much fun viewing that but this week he received an award that i'm sure he probably wouldn't want to receive which was the he received the first japanese person to win a darwin award now what is a darwin award pete for people that don't know what it is i haven't heard i haven't heard of darwin awards in a long time but uh what is it for those who don't know I mean, like, um, it, it's been in place for like a good 20 years. I mean, the, like, the early days of the internet, I seem to recall it um, being quite mm. a big thing. Just, you know, just crazy stories from around the world where um, people, usually men from Florida, because they have different um, crime reporting <laughs> statistics than we have or, or, or crime record- reporting than we have. Um, yeah, just people uh, dying in spectacular or silly ways. You know, people 
touching things that are highly electric or highly explosive or eating something that's highly dangerous. Yeah, just just ridiculous, you know, drinking isotopes and, you know, just people doing crazy things um, uh, for the furtherment of their uh, lives uh, yeah. and uh, their lives ending almost immediately. So, yeah, the whole, uh, yeah, this guy um, falling off, off a mountain. Uh, the, the problem with, like, putting a guy like that in is that he i mean i presume it only happened not that long ago and mm. the the visceral reaction to seeing a video of a man losing his life is just a bit it's a bit it's a bit close to the knuckle isn't it but you know he's the first japanese uh, entrant to the um to the darwin awards and and and, and obviously um clearly the japanese were regarded as being uh, too sensible for that kind of caper but no we found the man who was willing to do it and he and he's fallen well, down mount fuji <clears throat> It wasn't so much that you climb out Fuji. Quite a few people do climb out of season, to be honest, but they go prepared. You know, they're proper experienced climbers. They go with all the gear. He was underdressed for the temperatures. Mm. He wasn't wearing the right gear or didn't have the right equipment. No energy jelly. No energy. I don't think he did have any energy jelly. I don't think he had any supplies. Um, So the Darwin Awards are mainly to recognise individuals who meet their demise in an extraordinarily idiotic manner. And at first, you know, when I read about this, I thought, oh, that's a bit harsh. The guy, you know, tragically lost his life on the ascent. But he was very foolish in the way he did it. And just him speaking in the video, he clearly doesn't realise what kind of situation he's getting himself into. Uh, he's very naive about what's going on. And if any good thing comes out of this Darwin Award, it's that other people might not underestimate you know, the danger of climbing Mount Fuji outside of the seasons, outside of the hiking season, um, because it is phenomenally dangerous. Um, To quote the Darwin Award, in the spirit of Charles Darwin, the Darwin Awards commemorate individuals who protect our gene pool by making the ultimate sacrifice of their own lives. Darwin Award winners eliminate themselves in an extraordinarily idiotic manner, thereby improving our species' chance of long-term survival. Reading that out does seem a bit harsh, doesn't it? That does <laughs> so many sun. I do. <laughs> God, but it, but it, yeah. I mean, look, there are. He, he probably would have wanted to be in there if he was going to be in anywhere. He sounded like a wacky chap. Um, I'm glad he found um, his place in, in the hallowed uh, uh, halls of uh, of the Darwin Awards. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh man! I feel so conflicted on this. Poor old Tetsu mm. Shiohara. May rest in peace, bless him, and may his loss of life be um, a warning to other people not to take climbing Mount Fuji, uh, not to climb it without the proper equipment outside of the climbing season. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com He just says, how many holes does a straw have? Zero, one, or two. The internet can't figure it out, so I've done what any sane person would do. Ask the Luke and the Pete. Join me, Pete Donaldson, and Luke Moore for an unplanned half hour every Monday and Thursday as we talk about, well, anything really, from your emails to life's great mysteries to this guy. The noise you're going to hear sounds like a man being interrupted by a car. He isn't being interrupted by the car. He is making the car sound. 
How on earth is he doing that? Beep, 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 beep. How does he make that noise? Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beep, 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 beep. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stakhanov production. Uh, and with that, we now turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Donaldson, in the fax machine? Oh, let's have a look in the fax machine. Let's have a look at the fax machine. Um, the first email comes from, slash fax, uh, comes from Harry Knox. Hello, Harry Knox. Hi, uh, Pete and Chris. Um, greetings from Scotland. My name is Harry, and I've been a huge fan of uh, Japan and the Abroad Japan channels now for four years. You briefly mentioned uh, on a recent podcast, the Osaka uh, episode with Pete, where you went to a video games bar and thrashed Pete the Bomber Man, if I remember correctly. You do remember correctly, uh, Harry. I was, um, I-, I was tricked. I was hustled by a youngster uh, Chris Broad um, whilst also noting in the voiceover that these bars are closing under pressure uh, from big video game companies taking this into account uh, while also becoming desperate to go to Japan in the next few years how many years do you think it would be before these bars go completely extinct thank you for reading massive fan kind regards uh, Harry Knox well I mean what I'll say is with the Bomberman bar that we featured in Osaka. A lot of people are angry because we didn't put the location of the bar in the video, but that's because the owner of the bar specifically asked us not to so we could keep it a secret because Uh. there is a crackdown on video game bars just because uh, a lot of companies, unfortunately Nintendo, great company, are pretty hardcore on not letting people have fun when it comes to potentially infringing on their property. I mean, I get the Mary Kart thing. Um, Remember the Mary Kart where you Dress up yeah. like Mario and drive around and cause mayhem. I mean, that's in Tokyo. Just, I mean, that's just that 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 actually could cause death. But unless you've wired mm. a um a step up more a step up converter for a US version of the um, snares, you you're not going to kill anyone uh, by letting someone no. play a bit of Mario Kart on, on it. But like. I always think, like with those things, like oh, Nintendo have a terrible reputation for um in the in in, in the new world of uh, streaming and. Um, patching and modding uh video games they've got a terrible reputation for uh, cracking down really hard on any infringement in their on their ips and they don't seem to live in the real world it seems they don't seem to live in how how people um how fandom works nowadays people want to kind of like take work and subvert it and change it and play with it and and and, and people who aren't really being that aggressive or weird with, with with their work they're just making you know little changes and and streaming and stuff like that um yeah, Nintendo cracked down really, really, really strongly on people who are just, you know, who love your product. Um, so I don't know why. I mean, there was a recent um, case of I think someone had, had someone's managed to make a they'd managed to reverse engineer Mario sixty four. So now we are getting mm. um, actual native versions of the uh, on the PC and presumably Mac as well um, of Mario sixty four. So so it's mm. not an emulation. It's not even necessarily a conversion. It's a from the ground up machine code assembled version of Mario sixty four on the uh, on the PC. And, and people doing some fantastic stuff with it. They're putting the new Mario from the last Mario uh, game into it. They're updating the textures to four K. They're making it look beautiful. And and if Nintendo are un- unwilling to create these products, you know, make new versions because you know they have a, 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 um, a system that that, that that dictates that they that they have to be a little slower and a bit more thoughtful about it. Let people have their fun. These games aren't easy to set up when it comes mm-hmm. down to it. So just let people have their fun. 
what I would say to any any video game bar, just get rid of your, get rid of your Nintendo stuff. There's enough PC Engine and and, and MSX and um, uh, Sega uh, content out there, cartridges. So so let people say play that and, and and keep open the video game bars and just sort of go Nintendo. Look, you if you want to be part of this, you can be part of this, but. Don't be bloody mugs about it. You're so silly. Like it's, it's Nintendo's so, so much of a big part of Japan. Why can't they just have their fun with the video games that everyone grew up playing? And that Absolutely. is what I have to say on it, Chris. Sorry, I've you know devoted that email to what I have to say about Nintendo. I just find them, uh, I find them baffling and really sort of jaded and old school. Um, you... It probably has something to be said about Nintendo's, uh, um, you know, the people who sort of run their, yeah. run their company, being a little older. But that said, they, they do make some incredible games. You are a man of passion. I understand. <laughs> I get it. I absolutely get it. One way around it that some bars have done is not to kill themselves, video games bar, just say you're a normal bar. But there might be consoles laying ar- around as well that yeah. you can play if you come to the bar. And that's way one way that um, quite a few bars have got around it, thankfully. So I don't think it'll be the extinction of it, but I think it'll probably be the extinction of a certain type of video game bar. Um, but we will see. Hopefully, mm. the one there's a few good ones. There's one in Shinjuku that's really amazing. I can't remember the name of it, but literally, if you just type in video game bar and Shinjuku, you'll find it. Um, I often drop in there. And um, we got one from Eric and Sheridan from New York City. He says, hi, Chris and Pete. My partner and I had a trip planned to Japan from May 23rd to April 7th to Tokyo, Kyoto and Hiroshima. Obviously, things got hairy in New York and elsewhere during this time. But in the end, we threw caution to the wind and decided to go anyway, particularly because it was her first trip to Japan. Would this trip during a global crisis turn out to be another disaster? Long story short, it was great. The uh, Hanami cherry blossom season was in full bloom everywhere we went. Tourist spots that were usually mobbed were nearly empty and we ate so much good food. A highlight was getting drunk with an old sushi chef in Ginza and he told me, your eyes can see the Japanese soul. That's quite nice, isn't it? No one's ever told me that. Have you ever heard that? Have you got that? <laughs> no, uh, so your eyes are, uh, are very red, so you need to leave. You've drunk too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we got very lucky, but it was an incredible experience. And now I just want to go back. One thing we didn't get to do was go to any museums because they were all shut because of the pandemic. Gentlemen, my question is what's your favorite museum in Japan? Thanks for the channel and the podcast. Love the stuff, Eric and Sheridan. Good question. Um, hmm. I would say mine is the Mirai Khan science and technology museum in Odaiba, just outside of Tokyo on the um, artificial island. It's there where you can find Asimo the robot, and it's just the most incredible thing seeing Asimo the robot. It doesn't... uh, Have you seen it, Pete? It's basically... It looks like a child in a suit, the way it moves. It's so elegant. Um, Have you (laughs) seen it firsthand? I've seen... There's a few eyeballs. You see them in um, uh, my favourite shop, Tokyo Hands. When I was was doing Halloween in Shibuya, there was a... um, It couldn't have... It must have been a woman. A tiny child-like character who dressed up like... um, uh, one of those uh, robots, and uh, it looked disgusting. It truly looked; dis- it was just rank, um, and it haunted my dreams for a very, very long time. Unfortunately, I'll send you a picture, Chris, uh, to put up. It see. is a foul. Yeah, I mean, they do have some creepy creations there at the Minai Khan involving robots, and I'm, I'm really into robots, so absolutely love it. But um, I've always I find Asimo the robot really frustrating. For those of you who don't know, it's a robot developed by Honda, 
it's been going for like 20, 30 years now, and they keep adding to it. But it moves like a human. It can go upstairs. It can open bottles. It can move its hand around to twist things. Um, and you sort of sit there, and the doors open, and Asimo comes running out across the room really quite fast, really impressively. And if I recall, he scored a goal. He kicked a ball. Um, but I remember thinking, this is incredible. Japan has had this for 30 years. Why have they not done anything with Asimo? The only time it seems to be used is at the Minaikan for this like short five-minute exhibition. And mm. it just feels like a wasted opportunity. Like They could have done so much with Asimo, and it's just sat in a <laughs> cupboard. Not. Well, you see, well, it, Japan's one of the few places where you'll see, um, I, think I think it's like a cut-down version of Asimo called um, Pepper. Is that right? Um, pepper robots where you'll sort of go yeah. where you'll sort of say hello i've set, i've just um sent you a picture online of uh of uh of pepper uh which i think is a version of asimo that i met uh when i was dressed as uh, edward Sissons. can you see him he's disgusting okay. but look how small the person must have been <laughs> to fit in there i'm you know i'm not a big guy i'm five eight that That's i presume it was a girl in i think she's sort of dressed in like a like a kind of hockey mask <laughs> She's got a yeah, little looks like Jason kind of suit X. on. Yeah, it's all, it's all rather <laughs> unpleasant. I mean, Pepper the Robot is owned by SoftBank, one of Japan's right, Japan's biggest. Okay. Um, I thought it was the same thing. Right, and they roll okay. out Pepper the Robot mainly at every SoftBank branch. If you go and there's a, a Pepper, certain tourist spots, they always have one. The thing is, I've never, ever seen anyone interact with pepper the robot it just sort of stands there on wheels moving around backwards and forwards with its touchscreen display it tracks you with tracks your face so it's its head moves mm. and follows you around which is a little bit creepy um but like it really nobody ever uses it apart from getting a few selfies for instagram no. so i think i need to go back to the drawing board with pepper and work out how to make it useful how to make it good to be honest um <laughs> other than that it's, it's impressive and you could buy one yeah for, i think twenty thousand bucks maybe oh wow <clears throat> yeah. That's bad. <laughs> I guess one. if you're mad. <laughs> well, it's a talking point for a, for a, for a place, isn't it? And, and like it, it speaks in English and, and Japanese as well. So yeah, mm. um, best um, best museum. <laughs> there's the there's the question. <laughs> um, no, I was one... asking you where's where's the best museum? Oh, really? You, you, well, you give just... it the big licks about yeah that one. <laughs> that one it's so it's, yeah it's called the midai khan um science and technology midai means future khan just means museum and um yeah that's ah. in tokyo science and technology museum definitely Beautiful. go there absolutely love it got one from joe i'll hand that to you oh i was uh i was just finding my favorite museum the team lab uh lighting uh, museum in uh just over the uh, rainbow bridge in tokyo it's very good oh well, um, actually no <clears> team lab <throat> team lab is right team next lab. to the midai khan so you could do both in one day they're about like five oh, minutes you? apart yeah. Oh, fair dues. Not too, not too shoddy. Um, Joe says, hi, Japan enthusiast and Chris. <laughs> Sounds like I'm about to re- be replaced there. I've been binging the podcast this past week and I've noticed that Nagasaki uh, never seems to come up. I also did a search on your channel as well and there doesn't seem to be a video about it. I studied there in 2016. I was hoping maybe you covered it at some point. Have you been there? And if so, what did you think? Thanks, Joe. I have not been to Nagasaki. I've always wanted to go there Ooh. because of history. And there's an island near it called Hirado where the um, mm. British and Dutch had their first outpost in Japan. And I'd love yeah. to go there and check it out and just wander around. You've been there, though, haven't you, Pete? You've had a I have been around. there, yeah. There's a, there's a hilarious, there's a hilarious um, statue. Um, it, it shouldn't be hilarious, but it is hilarious because they've created this kind of um, statue that commemorates, the obviously, the dropping of the uh, atomic bomb. and 
uh, the man who made the statue, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, he's uh, put a sign on it saying basically that um, this is the best statue in the world and you should respect it. That's I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's just a really arrogant um, little plaque that he's put on his own statue saying, this is a really good statue. And it's this blue man pointing up the sky and I think pointing to the right, I think, as well to sort of signify something. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you can also see like a cross-section of where the rubble sort of started and ended um, when when the bomb was dropped. So, um, yeah, fascinating, obviously, very emotional place. Um, and if you're going to go to Hiroshima, to the Peace Park, um, it's you know, it's not that far away from... If you're going to go to Fukuoka, obviously, it's just one more stop mm. after that, isn't it? Um, well, well worth a visit. Um, it's a bit of a... I'm calling it uh, the sort of indie version of... Uh, of uh, Hiroshima for obvious reasons because it's a bit out there but um yeah there, there's museums and and, and in, well because nobody goes today it's like it's true it's, it's one of those places that nobody goes they, go, they do Hiroshima and they think they've done it and then you know they, they head back to Osaka mm. or whatever um so it's, it's definitely worth visiting and I think I certainly enjoyed it more than in a weird way enjoyed it more than um I did Hiroshima because there's not there's nothing oh, really wow. in Hiroshima apart from the Peace Park and a few museums but but um, Hiro- um Nagasaki was um, just a bit more to it I think yeah, I, I definitely gets overlooked because Hiroshima obviously was the first place where the atomic bomb was dropped, and Nagasaki seems to be an after afterthought in the story as a result. Um, but no, I'd love to go down there. I'd like to see Battleship Island, Gunkenjima, the abandoned mining town. It's just a massive mm. island that's been abandoned with a town on it. Um, so yeah, lots to do there. I did plan on going with Natsuki a few months ago, but obviously things happened and um, we got one here from oscar it says dear chris and pete my name is oscar and i started watching in 2016 started listening in 2019 i went on a crazy trip of a lifetime to japan in 2019 for the rugby world cup and it was a month i'll never forget ever since the trip all i can think about is going back while i was there i heard lots of talk about local festivals and parades i really want to go back and experience one but i have no clue where to start looking or finding out about them could you recommend a festival to go to many thanks oscar um, have you ever seen a festival in Japan, Pete? Have you been to one? I've only seen, um, like, I've only seen, the, the most I've seen is like a procession down the street, um, New Orleans style, with some, like, musicians and mm. drum, taiko, is it, what are the drums? Taiko? Taiko drumming. Taibo, taiko, taiko. Taiko. Um, taiko. Um, and uh, some people carrying those kind of, what are they, shrines or boxes or something? I can't remember what they're called. Like, four men carrying a like a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't um, know why it's cool, no, actually. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah I, so I, you can, um, I met someone who was like, you know, just a person from like America who, um, who worked in like a video game place in Kyoto and she was chosen for, mm. uh, she was chosen to uh, help carry this thing. Um, and she was really excited about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've only seen one of those. I've never seen like a proper, you know, the, the daft ones you see on, um, on, uh, on documentaries where it's the penis festival or the festival yeah. of fire and stuff like that. Uh, I've not seen any of that. The damn miss penis festival. That is the one that everyone seems to know about and go to. And it's, it looks really, yeah. really quite messed up. A lot of people have asked me to go, but I've just been like, no. That's, the videos are there on YouTube. I don't yeah. want to go. Watch one of those videos. Um, it's no, I don't. It's, they get away with it by referring it to a fertility festival. But <laughs> if you look at the pictures, no, it's it's so graphic no. and unpleasant. But there are lots of great festivals across Japan that don't involve massive phalluses being carried around. And there's a few good websites. Just type in um, Jap- Japan festival calendar, and there's a few good links on Google and. I mean, this year, obviously, because of things going on, I suspect many of them, sadly, 
will be cancelled or postponed. But most of the festivals happen between July and August when Japan is at its most formidably hot. But the festival I want to go to the most is the Aomori Tachinepta Festival, um, where they have these giant 22-metre statues that they carry around. I put it in a video once called... Oh, I can't remember what the video is called. I think it's called uh, Japan's Most Picturesque or Japan's Most Stunning Hot Spring. And I did it a few years ago with Ryotaro, but the statues are housed in like a NASA-style building that's used to hold like rockets. It's that big because of these 20, 30-metre tall statues. And it's really quite incredible. But check out the video if you want to see what that is. Um, but, yeah, no, there's a lot. most of the festivals between July and August. Just don't go to the Fertility Festival. And we've got one here from jake he says uh dear chris and pete hope you're both well and safe my name's jake i'm 1920 on july 3rd from reading happy birthday jake my question for both of you handsome gentlemen or assumptions is do you have any guilty pleasures relating to japan in some way for example i really enjoy listening to j-pop um i even got the chance to meet carrie pamu pamu in london a couple of years ago and other interesting j-pop idols like ladybeard and bandmaid thank you so much for answering my question kind regards jake from reading um do you have any guilty pleasures relating to japan <laughs> in some way have you met <coughs> carrie pamu pamu no, but I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by a bandmaid. Is that like bandaid or band? Is that like yeah? Is that bandaid? Like like a like a like a plaster you, bandmaid? You had to ask about <laughs> the one that I didn't know. Thing I, have I no can idea. tell you yeah, about no. the others. Not bandmaid. <laughs> Lady Beard's a blo- like Lady Beard's an Aussie bloke who has a beard, but he dresses up like a little kind of kawaii princess kind of character, doesn't he? But he's got a big beard. Yeah, like thing, he's done it? some work with Baby Metal. He's often around mm. on TV just because he's so quirky and odd. Um, seems like a nice Blake. Well, I think we've spoke on Twitter once or twice, but haven't met yet. But he seems nice. And Carrie Pammy Pammy, obviously, uh, queen of the world of cute. She is an interesting character. Um, K-pop, J-pop, sorry, not K-pop, J-pop aside, um, my guilty pleasure is just 1980s Japan dioramas, as, as we went on about at the start of the video. I just love the 1980s. I love um, Japan's Showa era. Um, as you know, Pete, when we went to Sapporo and I took you to the 1960s style bar, Humbe, I, lo- I just love that era. There's just a sense of um, optimism. In the post-war era, Japan went through a lot of changes and things were really great and magical and wonderful before it all went down the pan in the 90s when the uh, economic bubble burst. But from like 90- the 1950s to the 1980s, Japan just had this really great time. And there's a lot of great Showa-era museums and things around Japan. And actually, my favourite museum is in Takayama, and it is a Showa-era museum. Um, and you can find lots of memorabilia and things from the 1960s to the 1980s. What about you, though? Any other guilty pleasures, Pete? Yeah, I, 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 think, you're, I think you're right. I mean, there's a... Um... I love um, sort of Japanese street photography. It's one of my favorite sort of things and, mm. and, and watching people sort of take these incredible photos of, of people. But I do think there's a certain, um, and, you know, I've taken a, a fair share of pictures myself, but I think there's a real, uh, there's, a, there's a level of slight racism in, you know, people just find it very easy to take pictures of um, Asian people uh, as they're going about their business. And it, it's somehow seen as uh, being exotic and street photography um, seems to be at its most popular when, you know, you're jamming a camera in front of someone's face in bloody Chinatown, wherever you might be in the world. Um, but I, I d- that is a bit of a um, guilty pleasure of mine. I, I do find the, um, 
Japan is so different in the way that you know salary men go about their business and just you know g- you know get up at the crack of dawn, they're out mm. until three in the morning, and, and and people taking pictures of that I, I find very fascinating because you know it's just these 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 men and women living their lives in, in a very different way than, than mine. Um, but I think my guilty pleasure is, is definitely similar sort of era that kind of jump off point between when uh neon uh and, and you see this a lot in street photography and and and, and photography in uh, hong kong um where at the moment um the streets of hong kong are getting slightly dimmer because no one's using neon anymore neon lights i really right, yeah. love for neon lights and then they're switching over to um leds which are more power efficient uh and safer and they, they don't break so easy you can use plastic tubing instead of glass um and so that's sort of like that sort of um, era in the eighties, where you'd you'd have the neon lights in in Tokyo and Shibuya and Shinjuku, but it would be for it would be before the um, use of the plasma screen or the LCD screen. Mm. So you had these kind of like incredible kind of like uh, constructions, but they were um, usually painted by someone. Like the, the the backings were painted by someone physically. So yeah, old um, old uh, neon lights uh, and old street photography from the eighties is just something incredibly beautiful. And anything that, that, that you know, any anything taken from that kind of era where people are using game boys and 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 personal walkmans and stuff like that anything 80s tech uh is definitely my um is my uh is it's definitely something i'm very very into and, and that's certainly something i'm always coming back with um on my trip to japan i always have a spare suitcase so i can take home a little uh a little boom box from the 80s Profit because you know the japanese look after their stuff well, i don't sell them they just sit in my house <laughs> clog it up <laughs> i think it's interesting how both you and I share a love of nostalgia um, and just this kind of bygone era. And I think it's really sad oh, and, that and, Neon is dying out, even though I guess it's yeah. for power-saving reasons. It's probably, but yeah, it's probably for the probably best. For better, and, for better, and, yeah. and, and, and I imagine the gases are quite hard to create. So they're probably not. <laughs> yes. sure some chemists will tell me. But I think the um, – and also, if we when we were in that um, – that, that that bar um the handbear bar uh just looking around the the walls they just sort of pepper the walls with um pictures and 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 lp mm. covers of like kind of pop pop music uh, from from the day just that kind of uh their version of like american pop stars with these ridiculous um hairspray adult um haircuts these kind of like um these kind of beautiful kind of weird looking uh people who look like they've been created by cgi uh is something else so if you, if you like pick up like some old 80s records it's fascinating absolutely fascinating absolutely can't we be all this talk of neon and street photography and nostalgia's got me raring to go to tokyo and get some photography i haven't done the nighttime yeah. photography in a while so i'm dying to do that um Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Abroad Japan Podcast at gmail.com. Guys, we'll be back same time next week to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week and we'll be back next Wednesday to do it all over again. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
was a Stakhanov production. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com